0: God bless. Good morning and happy Palm Sunday. Today is the beginning of what is known as Holy Week. Uh, For many of us who did not grow up in church, especially in what is considered the high churches, uh, you know, Catholic, Lutheran, the Eastern Orthodox or Anglican. All these churches have calendars and Holy Week has been a part of the calendars for a long, long time, I think since the 4th century. And, And it begins with what we are going to be talking about this morning, which is Palm Sunday, where Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And then it culminates with Easter Sunday, which is next week. And there is really Monday through that Next Sunday, they are all considered holy days. We uh, typically acknowledge Good Friday and Easter Sunday as well. So, again, welcome this morning to Palm Sunday. A a couple of things to let you know we are going to have a Good Friday service that will be live on YouTube as well. Uh, It'll be at 7 p.m. So, we ask you to join us uh, on that. Good Friday. Uh, We would like to be able to celebrate communion, but we cannot really do it together. So if you watch us online, you can join us, and we can partake together that way. We we can have a few elements here, uh, but we are continuing to try and keep things safe. Um, Even as I'm sharing these things, you know, next week is... Easter Sunday, which is a big day for us, which is a big day for the church at large. Uh, it's a big day for us because we officially got started as Genesis on Easter Sunday. It was our first gathering back in 2008, and so it's kind of a, a birthday of sorts for us. Um, and so it, it's strange to actually be telling you, I want you to come, but only if it is safe for you to come. And so we have done everything that we can to distance ourselves, to be outside, to be distanced here inside. If you are a person who is at risk, if you have not been vaccinated, then please put your health as a priority because we want that for you. Uh, It's not that we don't want to see everyone and to be gathered here, but we want you to be safe and we want to be the church, and part of that is actually caring for one another, and that's what we're trying to do through this time of pandemic. I know that things are opening up, and it's a little crazy as the things I am hearing uh, are saying that we need to be preparing for another spike. I don't say that without it gripping my heart because no one wants to be shut in anymore. Um, but I do want to let uh, you guys know that we are measuring things as, or at least I am, and, and the things that I hear according to the people who I respect. And we are still maintaining this attitude and this posture of concern. And we will do so until we feel that we don't need to and we can, again, just gather and see each other once again and do all the things that we want to continue doing together. But you are invited to be here next Sunday, but be careful, be safe, and that's what we are going to try to do as well. Same thing with Good Friday. Good Friday, we are not going to have anything outdoors, so it's just a minimal group here indoors. We can have probably a total of 10 people inside. Um, So, again... These are just the things that we are having to work around. Um, I, I do want to let you guys know that this past uh, week, uh, we did, um, was it Friday? I think it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. Friday, we, <laughs> what's today? Oh, yeah, it's Palm Sunday. Friday, we uh, took the meals to the ER staff at San Antonio Hospital. Again, 70 meals. Uh, thank you, Genesis for your contributions that make that possible. Um, The people in the ER really like you guys right now. So if you're sick and you got to go there, you might want to throw out, yeah, I'm from Genesis. Remember those meals? Um, See if it can bump you up in the line or something like that. Uh, But right now, you guys are near and dear to their hearts because they are near and dear to our hearts as well. And so again, this is part of our wanting to have a a kind pandemic kind of attitude. With that also, this afternoon, Hitchburger and Grill is going to be handing out Easter basket, Easter baskets and groceries to the families that attend. Uh, I believe that is taking place at 4 o'clock. They could use some help cleaning up at 6 o'clock. If you don't know where uh, Hitchburger and Grill is, you can look it up. It's in... Rancho Cucamonga on Arrow Route, and it's not too far from here. If you would like to help them clean up after they hand out uh, probably a few thousand uh, Easter baskets and things, uh, you can go down there and help in that regard. So it's just, again, one other thing we're trying to do to be a part of that kindness and let there be a pandemic of kindness. One more thing, I wanna remind you, those of you who are outside, we do have postcards here that Jordan has provided for us to be able to connect with one another. They already uh, have stamps on them and they're ready to go. So if you're thinking about someone, uh, jot a note, let them know you are, send them out a postcard, just a way of staying in touch with one another. And again, thanks Jordan for doing that. And I hope you guys will take advantage of that. Okay, Palm Sunday. And thanks to Kirk for the artwork also. Good job, Kirk. Um, This is marking the time when Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And so turn with me to John chapter 12 as we read this story. John chapter 12, starting at verse 12. We read, So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. What an interesting declaration at the end. You know, this event was taking place and was something that the disciples themselves were afraid to step into. They were afraid to go to Jerusalem because there was already the word put out that they were going to try to kill Jesus. In fact, we saw in the last chapter that the Pharisees actually wanted to kill Lazarus because he was proof that Jesus had done something miraculous. Think about it. It's like, okay, we got to stop this. Let's kill this guy who he rose from the dead. So many things, like what if he raises them again? We have to kill him again? What's going to go on here, right? But there was such a fear in the disciples' hearts that one of them said, well, let's go and we will die with him. Meaning that they were anticipating that they were actually going to have to die if they went towards Jerusalem because that was what they were expecting. And so there was a lot of fear and their hearts moving into this space. But in spite of the danger, Jesus goes to Jerusalem and leads the disciples there as well. I think sometimes we have to be aware that God leads us to places that aren't always the safest. But that God also leads us to places that are Significant. And and sometimes to have significance, we may have to give up some safety. And we have to decide which is most important to us. The disciples probably were very pleasantly surprised when they saw a crowd gathering and celebrating instead of people coming to arrest them. It it probably gave them this boost of confidence that, well, maybe the tide has turned and things are going a different way. Even though this would be short-lived, it must have at least gave them some hope We saw in verse 13, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. The people were ecstatic, right? They were celebrating Jesus' arrival. They didn't really know why he came, but they thought that it was for the reason a king would come. They they thought it was to usher in this kingdom that they had been looking for. And Jesus doesn't correct them. He, he doesn't say, I, I haven't come for what you think I've come for. He's actually calling them into who he is, even though they have an idea of who they want him to be. They want to see Jesus be the king, but they don't really want to follow where this king is going to take them. And I wonder how many times that's true of us. Oh, we want to have Jesus as our Lord, but we are as willing to follow where our Lord might want to lead us if it is to places that aren't comfortable. I I know that in my lifetime, so many times just in the area of ministry, when people would tell me, oh, yeah, God is leading me to this place. Whenever God was leading someone, it seemed like from one place to another, it was always to a place that was going to make more money and be more, like, cushy, right? It's like God's leading me to Hawaii, right? And it's like, of course God will lead you to Hawaii because why would he lead you to, you know, Somewhere, I was going to name places, but I won't because I don't want to insult any other places in the world. But oftentimes, God is leading us to places that aren't the places that we would necessarily think this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. We can do the same thing that they did. We We can dismiss who he is really for who we want him to be we we can dismiss what he has come to do and, and desire what we want him to do. You know, he tells us that, we are to love one another, and I was like, I'm all in. Yeah, I, I want to do that. I, I think that's a good thing. And he tells us, love your enemy, and it's like, hey, yeah, maybe not quite all in. I'm all in to love those who love me. I'm all in to love those who are convenient, but to love my enemies to, to show kindness and mercy to those who have hurt me, I'm not quite on board with that, right? We we want him to fit the things that we desire. You know, he says, you're the light of the world. Yeah, that's great, self-esteem, that's approval, that's what I want. Then he says, without me, you can do nothing. And it's kind of like, wait a second, I I don't need anyone to complete me. And Jesus says, well, without me, you you can't do it. And, And so we have to be aware that sometimes Jesus is asking more of us than we are wanting to give. Sometimes Jesus, as Who he is is not going the direction we want him to go. And in this case, they wanted someone to come and step in and to be the king. They they wanted someone to stop the tyranny of Rome. They wanted someone who would deliver them. They didn't want someone who would go to a cross. They didn't want to follow him where he was going. They wanted to follow where they wanted him to go. And I found that a Jesus who doesn't challenge me to be more than I am and to expect more out of me than I expect of myself is not really the Jesus who I see and read about in Scripture. A Jesus who validates and does not at the same time confront the dark things in me is not the Jesus who will change me, let alone the world. And I need change. You need change. We need change. They were celebrating a king of Israel, but he didn't come to establish a nation. He didn't come to become the king of Israel. He didn't come to deliver them from Rome. He didn't come to create a new political power. He did not come as a warrior. He did not even come to start a new religion. I can understand from their history the desire for this kind of deliverance, right? I mean, they have lived from captivity to captivity, from oppression to oppression to oppression, from the Egyptians to the Babylonians to the Persians to the Romans. The the Jewish people had suffered under this type of tyranny for their whole lives, and yet that's not why he came. They were celebrating Jesus, but they didn't really know what he was doing. I wonder, when we're searching for God or or when we're calling on Jesus, what are we looking for? What do we really want? Are, Are you looking for Jesus so he can help you be more successful? Are you looking for Jesus so he can fix the problems in your life? Are you looking for Jesus to be what will make things easier and better from your point of view? Or are you looking for Jesus who, as God, will challenge you to be who God created you to be? Are you looking for Jesus that, I don't even really know what we need and God knows us better than I know myself. I'm looking for a Jesus who will change me to be what the world needs instead of change the world to be what I need. And I understand that this is is a big step to take because self-preservation is kind of a part of who we are, but I think it's, better to be honest and actually say that I like a lot of what Jesus has to say, but I'm not at a place where I want to actually worship or serve him. I I like a lot of what Jesus stands for, but there's part of me that resists surrender. There's part of me that resists wanting to worship him. I believe Jesus is a good person, but I don't know what that even means or how a person is to give their life to him, right? When we say, oh, you want to give your life to Jesus, a lot of times it's like, what does that really mean? To give my life to Jesus sounds like slavery, and it's better to be honest that I don't really know what that means. I don't really know what he wants of me, but I know that I don't like the idea of surrendering completely to anybody. I remember years ago when my grandfather was very ill. He was in the hospital and I was going to visit him. And he and I had a lot of conversations about faith and about politics, about Jesus. And I remember at this time talking to him and just telling him how Jesus was for people because he was very concerned that the God he had been taught at church was actually for certain people but not for other people. And I I told him that, you know, really Jesus wanted him to give his life over to him. And he said, if I do that, I would be a hypocrite. Because in his mind, what he saw in this Christianity was a way to take control over people, where people were used instead of valued. And so in his mind, I'd be a hypocrite if I followed Jesus and today, <clears throat> I understand more <clears throat> than I did back then of what that really meant, especially to him. But if I had the chance to talk with him again, I would say <clears throat> we're all hypocrites in transition. And that's why Jesus came to help us to see the log in our own eyes to get rid of the speck. Thank you. This is good. Thanks, Gil. <sighs> Thank you very much. We are all hypocrites in translation. We, transition. We are all in need. And again, that Jesus has come to help us get rid of the log in our own eyes so that we could help our brothers and our sisters get rid of the speck in their own. That Jesus' unconditional, relentless love is what he and we are all looking for. That God has always had one singular, continuous thought towards you, and that is love and that God is most clearly seen when we love one another to try and, and paint a, a better picture than maybe he had seen, played out in his life. And I understand that a lot of people have used the name of Jesus to promote their agendas, to use the name of Jesus to promote their systems of power, but it does not diminish His call for us to recognize him as Lord. It does not diminish his call for us to see him as he truly is. And if anyone has proven their worth to that title Lord, it is him. You know, in verse 14, it says that, he found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. This is a very anticlimactic entrance into the city as a king. I mean, at least from all the movies I've seen, from all the stories I've read, right? I mean, a white stallion, yes. Tigers, maybe. Elephants, for sure. Right? Gold, fanfare. This is what I expect. But a donkey? The voice of Shrek just came into my mind. <laughs> An animal used for menial tasks and so unassuming. Now, this is counterintuitive. To, to me, and apparently to the disciples as well, because they didn't understand these things at first, right? Until later. If you're going to come in and make an entrance, this isn't the most powerful entrance you can make. Now, it says in verse 17 that the crowd had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead and continued to bear witness. And the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign, right? Now, this is the kind of news that gets around, raising people from the dead. You put that news out before you, and you're going to develop some momentum here. And can you imagine those who were there and saw this? Imagine the impression that would have left On you. I mean, I I think about some of the events that I've been to, right, sporting events, being at the the finals for the Lakers or being in the playoffs for the Dodgers and, and seeing some of those games. I was at one of the finals where the Lakers came back and beat Boston in the finals, and it was like, oh, man, the crowd went crazy. It was back at the forum in those days, and it was just a powerful, powerful moment. And imagine being at a, a place, something that is just so historic. Imagine being at Candlestick Park when the Beatles did their last live concert. Having that in your memory banks, right? I, I've seen the videos, the black and white, of the, the people screaming and fainting, right? I've seen that. I've seen them walking out on the field with their little amplifiers. And not. I can't imagine even being able to hear them with the PA system they had and that crowd, but just imagine the hysteria in that event and actually being there and carrying the weight of that moment or being in Washington when Martin Luther King Jr. gave his speech, I have a dream, I've seen the videos, but imagine being there with all those people and hearing those words, how it would have affected you I can't imagine that being there when Jesus went to a tomb and called the man back from the dead, out of that tomb, my whole worldview would have changed then. I would have had so many questions. It would have been something that would have put a strange wrinkle in my view of reality. And this is the fanfare of the miraculous, the buzz about this man, what he had done, it comes crashing against all these things taking place. Here comes the guy who raised someone from the dead. He's coming. Get the palm branches. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then here he comes on a donkey. It's just like, okay, well, okay, he's coming on donkey. I guess that's how it's going to be there, right? Can you imagine in our world of influencers and celebrity status, how this would have been played up, right? The limo, the red carpet, the $20,000 dress by designers, you know, to make an impression for just one moment. To enter the city, celebrate it as royalty, having just raised someone from the dead. Forget about it. Man, you would be owning this place white horses tigers elephants decked in gold everything but a donkey just seems like a huge missed opportunity and what we have is this strange relationship with power and what we expect it to be and what Jesus is showing it to be it is something that i believe is is so misunderstood by us we have our sporting events our mma fighting all these things where the strong win We have the national landscape where the most powerful have the most powerful weapons, the strongest military, the most prosperity, and the wealth. These are all things that are seen as winning. This attitude is prevalent in much of the church today. People holding up Bibles while they storm the Capitol. In the name of Jesus, we don't really want a savior who chooses a donkey. We like our power displayed, recognized, conquering, victorious. But there's another strength that is felt more than it is seen. When I, I read the stories of our men and women who are in the military, who put their lives at risk to save their brothers in arms and, and Overwhelming circumstances, who sacrifice of themselves for another—that's a strength that's not measured by muscle but by heart. Or when the police or a fireman goes and risks their life for a complete stranger, right? That—that's something that moves me. It's a powerful display. The captures more than just the attention. It, it captures the soul as well. And if history has taught us anything, it is that freedom will always bow its knee to love. Because this kind of love stands out and stands above. I've shared these examples before that nonviolent protests have proven to be the strongest way to lasting change in recent history, but it's not without a cost. Right? It could be Gandhi against the British rule in India, Rosa Parks on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, Caesar Chavez and the farm workers of America, the people who revolted in the Philippines against President Ferdinand Marcos, even the nuns that went out and kneeled before the iron tanks that were being rolled out to go towards the people and stop them, and who can forget the man who stood before the line of tanks that were heading to Tiananmen Square in China, and one man stood there against them and stopped the movement. There's the power that's displayed in ways that we don't fully understand. The Jesus who came to Jerusalem on the donkey was not the king who was expected, but he is the king who is needed. He is the king that our world needs. He's the king that we need. He's the king that displays power in a way that is bigger than our ability to fully understand. The validation of having power over death, yet moving toward death to give validation of love. It's unconquerable, but also very uncomfortable. Even as this underwhelming display was taking place, it upset the people in charge. The Pharisees said to one another, verse 19, you see, that you are gaining nothing, look, the world has gone after him. Oh, that that were true. That the world had gone after this king and this display of power. If the world had gone after him, we'd live in a world that's defined by love. We could live in a world that's defined by hope, a world that's defined by mercy, a world that's defined by forgiveness, a world that's defined by grace, by peace, by freedom, by life. Oh, that we had gone after him. Oh, that my life would go after him still and give up my own power, my own will, desire for my own satisfaction and live for others. Oh, that I could do this. Sadly, they only went after what they wanted him to do for them And I think that often is the truth with us. Why would they be so upset, the Pharisees, that this was happening? How could this be a bad thing? With all the things that Jesus did, why would they not want the world to go after him? There's an irony here, right? To be concerned that the world would go after him, this manifestation of love and humility, that they would go after him, this compassion, this kindness, this gentleness, to be concerned that the world would go after this manifestation of integrity, of honor, and of courage. To be concerned. What's the concern there? They're worried about how it might affect them, their world. I think people empower power. The religious and otherwise worry still about maintaining power, holding on to it, and anything, even if it's good, that is seen as taking it away becomes something they want to squash. And this is happening on a larger level, but I wonder how it happens in a a smaller level within my own heart and my own life. The things that I want to hold on to that I would have to give up if I was going to follow after this Jesus. And it's something that happens continually. It's not just a, a now or never kind of a thing. It's something I think we are challenged by over and over again and and we see kind of a culmination of this event that takes place later on in the book of Revelation chapter 7 another palm sunday if you would in revelation chapter 7 verse 9 and 10 The conquering one presented as the lamb. We've got a donkey. We've got a lamb. We've got anything but power going on here, right? We've got anything but this presentation of, man, I'm trembling. It's a lion. Why not the lion or tribe of Judah, right? I see posters of the lion or tribe of Judah. We don't see the poster of the lamb. Conquering lamb. Well, maybe you do, but it's not as prevalent because we like that idea of power, Religious leaders were terrified of the implications if everyone followed this Jesus. What would happen to their religion, their control, their agendas? We see that this future Jesus came to create, the future that Jesus came to create includes a multitude that no one can number from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. It's inclusive. Imagine that. A multitude from every tribe, every nation, every language being brought together. That's a powerful future. We live in a world that's divided. We've gone through it so much this past year. We're defined by hate. We're defined by violence. We live in a world of racism where we vilify those who do not agree with us in a world where to gain power, we need to push hate and disdain, a world of elitism, injustice, world of poverty. This is the world we live in. Jesus came In the most unassuming way to change that, to bring near the kingdom of heaven and a revolution of humanity. This kingdom looks like every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. This kingdom includes the fishermen, the women, the Ethiopian eunuchs, the tax collector, prostitutes, and Pharisees. It is including and inviting all. This kingdom is not won by the force of men, but by the weakness of God who would ride into the city on a donkey. I want to be one of those in a white robe. The idea of being in a white robe is that of being purified, being cleansed. I want to be one of those who is cleansed, not by my own ability and my own power and my own strength, but by a graceful God who gives himself to me standing before the throne, before the lamb, clothed in that white robe with the palm branches, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. I want to worship. Not the Jesus I want, but the Jesus I need. And when I see him, I realize how much more I need him. I want to become not the person I want, but the person that the world needs, the person that God wants me to be. I want to be one among a multitude that cannot be numbered, who helps to usher in the king who gives his life for the world and enters our hearts writing donkey let's pray Lord I am consistently challenged by who you are it confronts the core of who I am in so many ways and it provokes me to be different to be like you but to do that I need your help, your strength. Even like the alcoholic who is in the AA group who recognizes that they are unable to change without help, Lord, I am unable to change without your help. It is your work that needs to take place within me. And there is never a day that I am not in need of it. I am challenged, Jesus, by your humility. I am challenged by your power, constrained and focused instead on giving instead of receiving. I am challenged by the God I need and confronted with the God I oftentimes want my prayer for this day this palm sunday as we celebrate what is called a triumphant entry may the triumph be over our own souls may the triumph be the power of god to bring us into a place of servitude to our brothers and sisters May the triumph be over our own egos. And may we follow in your steps. Lord, I do pray for those who may be listening or will watch later on and are challenged by this idea of giving their lives to you. Lord, may they understand that to give our life to you is really a surrender of will to your demonstration of will. A surrender of who we are and all the things that make up what we want to be. To be conformed into the character that you displayed that was humble, that was gentle, that was kind. May we surrender our wills to yours and be transformed into an image that looks like you. Lord, we need this. The world needs this. And we desire to worship this in you today. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. May we follow the God we need and not merely the God we want. May we too cry, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and truly understand who he is and allow our lives to be shaped by this Christ by this Lord. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Sunday. We hope to see you, some of you next Sunday for Easter. Again, we will be here for Take Two, live Wednesday, Good Friday at 7 p.m. and then next Sunday. Take care, be safe. If you'd like to help out with the Easter basket cleanup at Hitch, Hitch Burger and Grill, Uh, Be there at 6 p.m. and hope to see you there. God bless you guys. Take care. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.